So over the past two weeks, or the past, not last week, but the past two homilies, we've gone into the what and the why of Mass. And then two weeks ago, uh, we went over sacred architecture and how the building itself is supposed to help us and direct us towards worship. So as we dive a little bit deeper into the understanding of the Mass, we still haven't even talked about the Mass itself. There are two more things. One we will cover today, one next week. The first thing, for us, it really comes out a fruit out of the Second Vatican Council and the pastoral reflection of the bishops and the council fathers, was to invite the whole church, priests, religious, and especially the laity, to enter in what they called active participation. Now, when most people think of active participation, and those of you who are old enough to have experienced before and after the Second Vatican Council, right, there was some main differences. One, uh, you, you talked. <laughs> there was dialogue. You know, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Like, there was some dialogue. Whereas before, it was just kind of like, you're just kind of there, and the priest was saying in the Latin, and you're just like, like okay, that's cool. This is pretty. This is pretty. But there, there, isn't, there wasn't necessarily the dialogue. And the second, uh, lay people took more, uh, there's more opportunities for lay people in specific to, to have ministries, liturgical ministries, lector, extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, etc. Um, also, one thing that also helped in active participation is uh, part of the reason that the church allowed for the Mass to be celebrated in the vernacular, to allow for that possibility. But there is a lot that the church wants to say about what active participation is. So what is it? It is the fully, fully and conscious entering into the mystery of the celebration. Fully and consciously entering in to the mystery that we are celebrating, which is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. That we are entering into the Paschal mystery. What that means, and what the church calls us to, and what, what helps us to enter into the beauty of this liturgy, because it, is that we cannot be passive observers. We cannot be passive observers. We can't just come to Mass and treat Mass the same way that when we sit down in our front our TVs and watch the Big Bang Theory. Or whatever your TV show is. Of just having this kind of like, I'm here, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here so that I can, I can listen to the little hobbit priest preach and I can get my Jesus. Like, if that, there's so much more going on. So much more going on. Fully and consciously. So to be actively participating, there's kind of like two things that we need to do to help with that. First, we need to pay attention. We live in a world now that has a 24-hour news cycle. Even
even sports has a 24-hour news cycle. I don't know how they talk. Anyway, I love sports. I can't watch ESPN anymore. Let's create an argument so we can get... No. No. But, like, so all the news could probably be covered in an hour? For the whole world? This is what happened? But we've got to spread it out so we can sell more things. Because all of this, what my high school English teacher would have called fluff. There is lots of fluff. But because of that, we're kind of like trained to like only half pay attention. We don't need to pay full attention because, you know, I only want to get the thing that I want to see, which is probably the sports and the, the, the weather. <laughs> and all the rest of it's like, oh, okay. That was good to know, maybe. But with a mass, every word, every action is very intentional. There's no fluff that's going on within the liturgy. If you think about it, you want to treat the liturgy like you would an introvert. An extrovert is just going to talk. They're going to talk, 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 talk. Love to talk, love to talk. And it's not bad talk, but they just, there's a lot there. It's, the volume is massive. An introvert, during a conversation with an extrovert, might say three things. But they've thought about those three things for that whole of that conversation. And they're just going to pop in this little thing and then walk away. Usually it's very funny or very insightful. And that little bit is all you needed to change the conversation. That's, that's the whole mass. The church has been reflecting on this and preparing this for and thinking about this for 2,000 years. So if you pay attention, it no longer becomes boring. What also helps to take away that boredom is to better understand what's going on. That's what I'm trying to do with you now, is to give you some facility to understand what's happening, this mystery that's going on. Because I think sometimes we go to Mass and we're like, oh, i got to go to Mass. Sort of like a parent's like, okay, i got to take my kid to soccer. Why do i got to go to soccer? It's so boring. Ball goes this way. And then all the kids run after it. And then the ball goes this way. And all the kids run after it. And even, even if you're like, Professional soccer, it's the same thing. And all these really rich guys go this way. And the bug and all the really rich guys go that way. But once you understand soccer, it is eminently fascinating. And it's so minute, like every minute detail can, you know, because you understand who the players are, you understand the game and the movement, and it becomes beautiful, wonderful. But it requires a little work. To like begin to understand that. And I, I don't blame you if you don't want to do that work. You don't need to. <laughs> but I think for the mass, you do. So there's two things, attention and understanding. Now there are two levels with regards to active participation. And I think we're familiar with one of those levels, exterior 
active participation. But what's even more than exterior active participation is interior active participation. To be able in our interior, into our soul and our psyche, to be fully and consciously entering into the mystery. Now the first way that we do that is that we have to recognize what's going on in our interior. Let's be honest, the world kind of wants to medicate that. We don't want to have silence because we want to have sounds because we're afraid of what's going to happen when there's silence. Where is my brain going to go? What am I going to think about? Well, this is the safe place to let that happen. Because whatever you're suffering, whatever joys, whatever difficulties, whatever anxieties, whatever frustrations, if you don't know what they are, you can't bring them to God for him to transform them, to let him do what he does, which is take death and to make life out of it. But if we don't know what's going on inside, we can't bring that to him. So that's the first part, is to just to recognize what's going on inside of us. That takes work. It takes work. But I, I can promise you, when, you're, when we're able to do that, oh, there's so much more fruit. Second. When our hearts and our minds are oriented in the proper way, it helps us to better enter in. Sometimes you might find yourself over the course of Mass realizing, I've got a whole load of dishes in the, wa- in, the dish- in the sink that need to be washed. And we had grits this morning, and I forgot to put water in that bowl, and so those grits are just going to dry. And everybody else just said, and the Lord, and, and with your spirit, and you're like, Oh, oh yeah, we're on the mass. <laughs> like, like it's so easy like, for us to either focus on the past about what has happened or to be anxious and worried or fearful about what's going to happen in the future like that the saints might lose. They won't, but you might be, still be worried. Right? And so we, then we, we, we get lost in the past or the present, the past or the future, and are not able to enter into the present, enter into the mystery that is right before us. Part of our interior is to be able to allow ourselves to enter into the present moment and to receive and experience all that God is pouring out upon us, which is this infinite amount of grace. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. And then finally, our interior, when we're oriented in the proper way, when we're noticing what's going on inside of us, and our our hearts are fully and consciously directed towards the mystery, it then affects our exterior participation. And exterior participation starts with the words that we say. Have you ever thought about what you're saying and like why you're saying it? 
Oftentimes you're not. I mean, I can tell you, you're not. Because if I change anything just slightly, like, like I shouldn't. Because everything's written down, and I should do what the, what the book says, right? But like, if, if, if anything is slightly changed, because we kind of get in that, we get in that interior space of like, just, uh, the, what's, the, the, just the, what's the mode that I'm thinking of, where you're not really thinking about it, but you're doing it. Going through the motions. Most of you have been Catholic all your life, and so you respond, and you're just like, yeah, okay, there it is, there it is. But think about it. Let yourself respect that all those words are, are intentional. When you're speaking those words in response to me, you're speaking to Christ in me. Christ the high priest who is acting in through his minister in that moment. We lift up our hearts. It is right and just. Amen, alleluia, holy, holy, holy. Our Father who art in heaven. But not just our words, right? Also our posture. There is a reason that we do Catholic calisthenics. Stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel. Each of those postures have a different, like, direct our minds and our hearts in a different way. When we're standing, we're standing at attention. We're either welcoming Christ into the church or, or sending him out. Or we're standing because we're interceding for the whole church in the universal prayer. Or we're standing because Christ is speaking in the gospel. When we sit, it's a posture of receptivity. During the, the, the scripture during the breaking open of the word. When we kneel, kneeling is a posture of vulnerability. If you were to kneel, someone could easily push you over, unless you have an epic core, which, you know, I, of course, have an epic core. <laughs> Just not the right type of epic core. Right? It's a posture of vulnerability. It's a posture of surrender. Because we put ourselves in this, this place of vulnerability before the mystery because we know we cannot do anything without him. We cannot do anything without him. And so the glory and the majesty requires us to just put ourselves on our knees. There's even a posture of prayer that the priest does, that only the priest does. As in, it's, a, it's a presbyteral, a priestly posture, and it is called the Oron's position. You will see me where, use this position, or any priest use this position, the kind of depending on their, their, their you know, wingspan. <laughs> you know. But they have this position. This is the position of intercession for the church. When you see me in this position, I am praying for you and the whole church. The opening prayer. The Eucharistic prayer. The prayer after communion. And I'm in this unique position because not only am I acting on the priest, on behalf of Christ, the high priest, but I am also still a Christian just like you. 
So I have, I have this kind of like dual purpose when I pray the Our Father, that I'm praying the Our Father for myself, but I'm also praying the Our Father for you. Which is why I have my, myself in this position. And so I invite you to reflect. I'm going to talk a little bit this later when we talk about the Our Father. But I want you to reflect, to think, why do you have the posture that you have during the Our Father? Do you have that because some priest said you got to do this and then you got used to it? Like, I love my loved ones, so I'm going to hold their hand. Why? Think about, I just want you to think about what that is. I'll talk a little bit later um, and give my thoughts on that, but I just right now just want you to think. Why do you do that? Okay. And then finally, with regards to this, this space of exterior participation, part of what helps us to exteriorly participate is the way that we are dressed. When we dress up, we know that something important is going to happen. And it helps our binds and our bodies to treat this thing as it is. If you worked in a Fortune 500 company that expected you, gentlemen, to wear a suit and a tie to work every day, and you showed up in a wife beater and Nike shorts, you would be immediately fired because that was not the proper attire. If you're working in a factory or you're doing a, a welding where there's the possibility that you can catch on fire and you walk up, you walk up with polyester, that ain't going to go too well. There's, there's a, what we wear has intention. And so I encourage you to think about that. Why am I wearing what I'm wearing? Just because I want to be comfortable? I can tell you that you can find nice clothes that are comfortable. They make them now. <laughs> but ha- just keeping that in mind. Okay, so when we think about active participation, what's going to help us to actively participate well, Pope Benedict, when he asked this question in a document that he wrote in 2005, all the bishops of the world got together to talk about the Mass and the Eucharist, and he wrote this document called The Sacrament of Charity, reflecting on that. And when he says that the best way for us to actively participate is to prepare ourselves for that active participation. To prepare ourselves for that active participation. That preparation is necessary. And to prove my point, I'll give you two examples. First, Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters in basketball ever. This dude can knock down threes just in his sleep. He doesn't even have to look. But what does he do before every single game that he plays? He will shoot for an hour or more. He's a professional. He's at the top of his game and the top of the game. And he's still practicing. Professional golfers. 
These are, these are men that are, that are highly trained. But they spend at least two hours before their round on the, the driving range and on the putting green to make sure that they have their stroke right. So that when they get on the course, they're ready. These are guys that get paid millions of dollars. And they need that preparation for them to achieve what they need to achieve. Now, the mass is, is infinitely greater than the NBA championship or the masters. But how often do we just show up and, and you're like, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, or not even show up on time. Like, show up late. Hey, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. Let's do this. Like, and then at the end of Mass, we're like, well, okay, that wasn't what I wanted it to be. Well, we've got to prepare ourselves. First thing to do with that, and I, you, might, you might keep hearing me say this, but I keep saying this not because I don't like, don't like it, because I want you to prepare yourselves well, is to have silence before Mass. To give that time, one, to recollect, to recognize what's going on in your interior. And two, to prepare yourself, like, to get yourself hyped up. Like, you are going to receive the God of the universe in your mouth! What? Like, that's, that's utterly ludicrously awesome! Why would have a conversation about... You know, who the running backs, how the running backs going? Like, who cares? Like, other things, like, hello. But actually get ourselves ready and, like, prepared and, like, so, like, can do so much. The interior recollection, he calls it. The second thing that he mentions is something that we're all called to, is, but what's not really talked about is the fasting an hour before Mass. And you might be thinking, okay, Father, like, I just, was it just like so I don't have any food in my belly when I receive Jesus? So it's just Jesus in my belly? Like, no. No, no, no. Part of the intent in fasting is to remind us that we are hungry. We live in a world of comfort. At any point, we can just pick up food and we can eat it. We can sit in a comfortable chair. We have this thing called air conditioning. We have really nice, comfortable clothes, comfortable shoes. And we can, get the, we can believe the lie that I'm okay. I don't need God because I've got all this nice stuff and all of this comfort. But in that discomfort of hunger, it reminds us that we are existentially in need of him. That we cannot live without him. So we come to the Mass with that hunger that only he can feed us. And then finally... The Holy Father recommends that we go to confession. 
Now, for most of you, you might be thinking, Father, I don't need to go to confession. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't laundered millions of dollars like Enron. But I can assure you that you have sinned. Just ask your spouse or your parents or your children. Not big sins, but little tiny things. Little acts of selfishness, little acts of negligence, those little things that we have done and we failed to do in word, and what we have said and what we have done. And we need to go to confession so that we can clear that. The, the Holy Spirit gave me this analogy at the last Mass that sin is like, oh gosh, I can't remember it. It was so good, y'all. It was such a good analogy. Um, anyway, you don't get it because like, my brain, is, sorry, is, is like uh, uh, the stuff in the arteries that clogs up. Plaque, right? All of this plaque that builds up and prevents your blood from flowing, right? And can cause clots and cause you to die. What happens is that sin just keeps building up and grace cannot flow in its proper way because of our sin and because of our selfishness. And God, we don't allow God to do what God does, which is bring life out of death, bring good out of difficulty. But when you confess, even those little venial sins which have built up, there's such great freedom and there's such great peace. And I want to say this right now to all of you. Because there's some of you that haven't gone to confession in a long time because you had a bad experience. There was a priest that was mean to you or was negligent or just made you afraid. I want to apologize on behalf of the church. That's not what Christ calls us to be as priests. And if you've experienced that, I'm sorry that you've experienced the brokenness of the church. But that is not who Jesus is. And that is not what the priesthood is. I encourage you, this Wednesday, every parish in the whole archdiocese is going to be offering confession from 5 to 6.30. Go. You can come to me. You can go to somebody else and just tell the priest, if you haven't been in a long time and you don't know what to do, tell them that. I haven't been in a long time and I don't know what to do. Nine times out of the ten, the priest can be like, great, okay, let's do this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because that is the place of the, we get to experience God's love and his mercy. The greatest points of my priesthood have been in the confessional. Where somebody said, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been 40 years since my last confession. And I want to jump out of the chair and give him a hug. <laughs> yes! Like, it took them four years probably to psych themselves up enough to get rid of the shame enough for them to come. I'm just glad that they were there. They usually don't make great confessions because it's really hard to confess 40 years. <laughs> but that's okay. This is the first step. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have confession before every, every Mass. Come. 
Receive God's mercy and receive God's grace. And when we do that, then the mass opens up because we're able to see the fullness of what God's pouring out upon us. And there isn't this blockage that prevents us from receiving everything. And I'll end with this. With regards to our understanding of active participation, you know what I'm trying to say. This is not for you. This is for your friends and your family. We experienced this unique thing in COVID where we were robbed of our community and you were robbed of the sacraments. And there was this time where the only way that you could participate in Mass at all was through a screen, whether live streaming or like on TV. And then once that, you know, the, 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 the thing was lifted and everybody was then obligated to come back, there were some people that saw that that was just the same thing. That watching Mass on TV or watching a live stream was just as good as going to Mass. But the participation can only be so much through a screen. And let's also be honest, when you were doing that, how often do you actually dress up to the nines? I mean, when, when I was doing it, when I was watching my brother priests, I would be sitting in my Nike shorts. I don't have wife beaters, so uh, I would be Nike shorts and a t-shirt and a cup of coffee. You know, drinking my cup of coffee, like watching Mass. I wasn't really participating, I was watching Mass. You know, like I'll, I'll be watching the Saints game. <laughs> It's hard for us to participate. And not only that, we don't get to be in community, which is vitally important. We're two or three gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Jesus says in the gospel today. And we don't get to receive him in the Eucharist. And so I invite you to invite them, to challenge them to say, it is not the same. Come back. Come back. Come back. And if they're still not comfortable with that, tell them to listen to this homily. Hello, please come back. Because when we're able to fully enter in, to fully and consciously enter into the mystery of the celebration of this liturgy, it is life-changing. How life-changing? St. John Vianney, who's a patron saint and priest, he was a, he was a priest in France in the 1800s. And every day he would, he would walk in and there would be this old man sitting in the back of church, silent, not saying anything, not doing anything, just being before God. And after like two or three weeks, he was like, what is this guy doing? Like he wasn't praying his rosary, he, wasn't, he was just sitting there. And he, he goes up to the man, and he's like, Sir, if, if I don't mind you asking, if I don't mind, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm spending time with Jesus. Because if I fully understood who he was in the Eucharist, I would die out of love for him. 
Our hearts would be so expanded that our bodies couldn't take it. That's the depth of the power of this liturgy. And when we're able to actively participate in that, we're able to receive that depth and enter deeper into it. I said a lot of stuff. (laughs) But there was probably one particular thing that hit you. I invite you just to take that home. Pray and think about that. And then we'll continue on uh, talking about the Mass next week.